Welcome back to Kvetching on the Couch, a podcast where we host a weekly conversation about mental health topics through a Jewish lens. I'm Ash, I use they, she pronouns, and I'm an eating disorder and trauma therapist specializing in the Jewish community and weight stigma. I have lived experience of an eating disorder and childhood trauma, and I do community advocacy work for the Jewish community and for fat positivity. And I'm Lore. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a mental health and suicide prevention advisor to high schools with a professional background in special education and equity work. My personal background is in fighting anti-Semitism, advocating for fat and body liberation, and eating disorder and addiction recovery through the lens of my personal experience. All right, let's roll the intro. Soft and cozy, space to unwind, place to heal, and rest your mind, somewhere between Brooklyn and the moon, benching on the couch. In today's episode, we will be talking about the Jewish perspective on sensuality and pleasure. We are so thrilled to be joined by our guest today, Marley Liss. I hope we are pronouncing your name correctly, Marley, but you will let us know when you hop on. Uh, And we know that you'll be providing a ton of insight on the subject, so we can't wait to get her on ASAP. As a reminder, if there's a topic we're speaking on that resonates with you and you're listening live, please feel free to request to hop on the show with us. Content warning as always, this subject may lend itself to some triggering content, so please be cognizant of your well-being and take breaks if you need As always, please remember that this podcast does not take the place of medical or mental health care from a clinician or provider. Reach out to professionals if you need support. Um, Before we bring Marley on, I just wanted to check in with you, Ash. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Uh, You know, we were saying before we hopped on that we're both a little sleepy, but we know that uh, Marley's got a ton of energy and we're really excited to, you know, have her kind of mooch off her energy a little bit, I think. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, I completely agree. I'm definitely somebody who um, benefits from like energy osmosis where like I definitely um, respond to the energies around me um, in particular in conversation. So I am uh, very excited to bring Marley's energy in. So I will go ahead and introduce her now and then we can get her on the call. Marley Liss is a sensual reclamation coach, speaker, author and restorative justice advocate. She's also a queer, sparkle-loving Jewish feminist and trailblazer. Marley made history in the justice system when her sexual assault case became the first in North America to conclude with restorative justice through the courts. Since then, she has coached hundreds of women internationally in reclaiming sensuality and embodied leadership. Marley has shared her voice via Forbes, HuffPost, BuzzFeed, Mel Robbins Show, Recovering from Reality Podcast with Alexis Haynes, and more. She's a public speaker and has consulted for the U.S. Military Sexual Assault Response Team on an elite panel for the National Action Plan to End Gender-Based Violence, Fordham School of Law, and more. Currently, her story is being made into a documentary and scripted Hollywood series as she works on her memoir. Welcome, Marley. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Can you hear me okay? We can. Yes, loud and clear. How are you? I'm good. I'm so honored by your mooching off my energy. Talk. Not that I'm happy that you're both exhausted, but <laughs> I'm happy to share the energy. We appreciate it. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for the, for your time, Marley. Um, you know, we really wanted to talk about just the Jewish perspective on pleasure and how it might be different than maybe the larger cultural world in which we live. 
uh, and we know that you have a lot of expertise in this area. So we definitely want you to uh, run with it. Um, but we definitely, as a leading question, sometimes like to ask, you know, how did you get into this work? Yeah, cool. Um, big question. I'll answer. Certainly. Yes. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So how I got into this work, I mean, I was already passionate about helping people in social work and specifically was really passionate about um, topics related to body image and eating disorders. But it wasn't until I experienced um, like an undeniable sexual assault, because I think I had a lot of rape culture rooted experiences that were kind of that like blurry consent mm -hmm. thing yeah. that a lot of us don't know how to define mm -hmm. in certain years. So when I experienced an undeniable sexual assault in 2016, it really changed my life and sent me into such a deep um, depression. And I struggled a lot with PTSD and panic attacks and a lot of shame around sexuality. And I also began questioning my sexual orientation at that time. So it just was so much at once. And my healing journey became really like essential. And it's kind of what catalyzed me into spaces of um, somatic sex education and um, eating disorder recovery and practices of healing that really prioritize and normalize pleasure in so many different ways. Um, and so when I first got into those communities, it was really, in those spaces, it was really for my own healing. But eventually I was just like, I'm in love with this information. And it's helped me in so many ways feel safe and at home in my body and safe in mm. my sensuality and sexual orientation. So it really became like my love in so many ways. And once my um, sexual assault case, because I did report it. So three years after my sexual assault case had been reported, um, after a lot of back and forth and support and fighting for this outcome, my case concluded with restorative justice, which meant that my assailant went to therapy instead of criminal trial. And we eventually met in an eight hour circle. Wow. And that was so transformative and mind blowing to me in terms of what's possible with healing um, that I just felt I had to share with the world. So I shared it with the media, it came out in all of these platform, Forbes, Have Posts, BuzzFeed, Canadian Jewish News, um, Mount Robbins Show. And I started hearing from like hundreds and then thousands and then tens of thousands of survivors. And that's kind of when I said, okay, I have this background and knowledge and training from my own healing in somatic sex education and social work and trauma-informed yoga. So I took all of that and I, I built a coaching business and then I had a speaking career sharing about this story and it's kind of been this sort of snowball effect since sharing this story mm. with the world, but um, it's allowed me to connect with so many incredible people and I'm constantly just like reminded of how much bigger it all is than myself. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Thank you. That's yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I read it briefly um, because we were reviewing the script and we always put the bio in there and I, I noted that, um, you had this restorative justice experience. I've, aside from, I think in watching how to get away with murder, I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen a restorative justice experience like that in the courts. 
um, played out. I'm sure it exists, but um, I was just very struck by it and, and just how mm. incredible it is. I don't know what other word to use. I know you just used that one more, but I don't know how else <laughs> to describe that. <laughs> oh, thank you. And it's been really cool too, because like restorative justice is rooted in indigenous Jewish and Mennonite perspectives. And I think that before I had this experience, I was quite disconnected from my Jewish identity and roots. Mm. And in reconnecting with this, I feel like it really brought me back to those roots and to the community and to what that identity means to me. And that's been really powerful in so many ways. So it's, it's really beautiful. And I think restorative justice is just like, to break it down to anyone, it's, it's really just the opposite of a punitive approach. So instead of focusing on who do we punish, we focus on like what needs repair, what needs healing. And it's that kind of Tikkun Olam perspective. And mm-hmm. when we bring that into our life and our relationships and even into the way we dialogue with ourselves, like mm-hmm. so much of the sensuality and pleasure lens I bring is like that embodied restorative justice approach. I love that. Um, and just kind of piggybacking off of that, Marley, the, you know, restorative justice kind of reconnecting you with maybe more of your Jewishness. Um, how would you maybe explain to a newbie the differences in how the Jewish culture approaches sensuality and pleasure? Mm. So I'm not going to lie. I don't feel like an expert on this exact topic, but I think that's cool because (laughs) I mean, I I feel like an expert on sensuality and pleasure, but specific to the Jewish lens, I think, I think it is important to name this because I think a lot of people feel it with a lot of different things, but just like, sometimes I do deal with like Jewish imposter syndrome or queer imposter syndrome or survivor imposter syndrome. Like I'm like, put Mm -hmm. any word in front of imposter syndrome. Yep. <laughs> I've experienced all three. All of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, am I blank? Like whatever the word is enough. Um, but I think what's been really powerful about Jewish sex education is even just realizing how much the sex education that's in mainstream curriculum, like how much that reflects Christian and Catholic beliefs and just realizing that like that is the lens that most of us were given growing up. Like we weren't, most of us weren't given like a Jewish sex education. So it's been really beautiful to learn about some of the ways. And I think of like Arielle Kaplan's work, um, Mm -hmm. Horgasmic on, on Instagram. And I had the pleasure of interviewing her and she shared I I might not get this exactly right, but she shared a story with me of sex positivity in the Torah. And it was essentially talking about um, divorces and what what makes someone eligible for a divorce. Oh, yes, I know this. (laughs) Yeah. And like in order to get a get, which is like, yes, you can have a divorce with this exception one of the reasons someone might be able to get that get, which allows them to access the divorce, is if they're, it's still very hetero, but it's mm-hmm. if their husband is not giving them cunnilingus enough, that is reason to be eligible for a divorce. And <laughs> <laughs> I just think that is the most epic thing ever because yeah. so many so things much. in our world, I know, like so many things in our world when it comes to pleasure 
are only validated if it comes back to reproduction. And we even see that in marketing, like, and censorship, like people who are focused on reproduction Mm. are welcome to market without censorship. But if it's about pleasure specifically, Mm. um, things that aren't linked to reproduction, like cunnilingus, it instantly gets censored. So I think that anything that's bringing that pleasure focus perspective for the sake of pleasure and sexuality, I'm just like, I'm so here for that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It was so funny as, as you were describing it, it was like, Oh my God, I know exactly where she's going. <laughs> <laughs> I have yes. heard that before. And it, it really, I don't know if it was before or after that, or maybe it was because of that, a conversation where someone told me that, but I definitely at a certain point had a realization um, that so much sort of like what you were saying, Marley, that so much of what I knew about sex or thought about sex was driven by, a, you know, a Christian hegemonic mm-hmm. perspective on sex. And, mm. you know, obviously I, I don't want to speak to anyone else's experiences, but in my experience as you know, being a Jew, the more I spoke to other Jews about sex, especially Jews who, you know, are, are plugged into Jewish culture, the clearer it became to me that actually Jews really think sex is great just because it feels good. And they're like, just gung ho about it. And it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's so, it's so wild. Like I remember a therapist asked, it was a queer therapist who asked me once, um, like, Oh, she, she said something like, Oh, a lot of your beliefs, this was a long time ago. She said a lot of your beliefs around sexuality reflect a lot of like conservative Christianity beliefs. And like, I'm curious if you spent time in churches or whatever. And I was like, no, I didn't. That's so strange. And then with time, I was like, well, of course I have that lens because it is everywhere. It's in our mainstream curriculums at public schools. It's in every Mm -hmm. TV show we Mm -hmm. watch pretty much. So yeah, it really is um, such a gift to like reconnect with and actually learn a more Jewish lens and see that sex positivity and pleasure positivity mm. being placed at the center or at least celebrated in some way. Yeah. And I guess going off of what you said, Ash, about like your experience with um, Jewish people um, and attitudes about sex, I do think that there's some room for interpretation in Judaism that there isn't necessarily in yeah. um other religions i'm not speaking about all religions but i don't know enough to say which religions Mm -hmm. um but so jewish law has written law the torah and oral law Mm -hmm. and written law there's not really like explicit mention in the torah that prohibits masturbation or premarital sex or mm-hmm. oral sex or anal sex or con- contraception. Mm. Um, I actually think there's and, a story in the Torah of active use of contraception, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like someone told me that once. I am not sure. Um, yeah. So I can't confirm that, but I, I think the lack of direct reference to these has Mm -hmm. created a lot of room for interpretation. That said, we also know that there are people in the, there are Jewish people who feel very strongly about um, premarital sex being a sin and, um, you know, 
kind of not what we're talking about right now. And those people are, you know, giving deference to oral law, which is part of Jewish law. So, um, you know, I think that, I think that it's, it's, it's not necessarily that like there's any reference that I'm aware of in the Torah that's like, go for it. But there's also not any reference in the Torah that's explicitly prohibiting those things. And that, at least in my understanding, has come a lot more from oral Jewish law than written Jewish law. So I just think it's an interesting thing um, that, you know, also just has some variation in um, reform Jewish spaces, conservative Jewish spaces, and Orthodox Jewish spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instantly I'm like, we love an oral law, um, but <laughs> it feels like there's also so much in Judaism that I think empowers us to be nonconformist and to yes. to be able to question things without just saying like, oh, well, this is the way it is. This is like what we must do. And I think mm-hmm. that fits Absolutely. so powerfully into like a sex positive and a queer lens as well. And I, and I do think sex positivity and somatic sex education, like these things are so rooted in, in queer voices and queer mm-hmm. wisdom as well. So I just see those parallels in so many ways. And I see those parallels of like, you know, the world's um, enforcing compulsory heterosexuality and the belief mm-hmm. that everyone should be straight. And us having the courage to like push back and question against that and feel into what actually feels right for us. And I think Judaism empowers us in a similar way to be like, well, what actually feels true for me? Does this actually um, resonate? Does this actually align with my values because of that nonconformist lens? And I, I think that even that way of thinking instantly brings us back into our own bodies Mm. instead of Mm. keeping us in our heads or instead of having us look towards everyone else in the room to make a decision. Um, Mm -hmm. It brings us back to our bodies to be aware of what we're feeling. And to me, like that is pretty much all that sensuality and pleasure is, is just like being present in our bodies and aware of our senses and what we're feeling and noticing our instincts and our somatic wisdom and not letting our Mm -hmm. conditioning override all of that wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to that point, Marley, there's other kinds of pleasure that you have to be, you know, fully present to Mm -hmm. um, truly experience like food and Mm -hmm. nature and connection, right? These are um, non-sexual forms of pleasure Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said that, you know, it really is the awareness. It's the presence. It's the, um, Oh, I think we lost Laura for a second. Yeah. Or I was like, she's very deep in thought. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Can you guys hear me again? Now we yes. Can. Okay. I'm so sorry. Both of my parents um, have been incessantly <laughs> trying to reach me for the last five minutes. Um, so, and, okay? and when my when my phone rings, yeah. I don't know. But when right. my phone rings, it uh, it overrides the right. sound of my headphones and anything else I may be doing in a given moment. So my apologies. <laughs> but 
Um, you know, I think the overarching point that I was trying to make is that, you know, as somebody who spent really my entire life trying to get to a place where I could be present um, and experience food in particular as one, um, mm-hmm. you know, it took me such a long time to be able to notice texture or flavor um, after, you know, a really a lifelong battle with an eating disorder. Um, But also, you know, connection that for so, for so many years, um, I couldn't meaningfully connect with people for so many different reasons. And um, now that I am able to do that, I have found that I um, am more I have, I place so much more value on connections with a specific few people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I understand connection now as more than just engaging with somebody. Um, so, you know, I just, I've spent my whole life getting to that point. And now that I've arrived at that point, I think that it is just truly indicative of um, to experience pleasure. You, really do need to be present. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. And I so appreciate you sharing that and that experience. And it it makes me think too of like, another thing I appreciate about the Jewish lens so much is that so many other religions and rhetorics really, really, really focus on the afterlife and what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After death. And so many of the Jewish stories are about fighting for life And I think of a really beautiful, um, I don't remember the exact quote, but Adrienne Marie Brown was was talking about the power of, um, in pleasure activism, talking about the power of moving towards life Mm -hmm. and the courage that that takes. Mm -hmm. And I think we can like directly translate um, so much focus on the afterlife can lend itself to dissociation. And so much focus on fighting for life and moving towards life can lend itself to embodied presence, which can lead to so much pleasure and sensuality and somatic body-based awareness. So I Mm. think that that's really powerful too. And I think that that is like a courageous choice and sometimes a really challenging journey, especially if we've been through a lot of trauma and deep conditioning and whatnot to come fully back to our bodies and to choose life in a way and to choose like awareness of our senses and to really be present with the human experience. Um, But I think that's like a powerful parallel. Yeah. Well, and and it's so scary because it opens us up to pain and to be hurt. Right. It's, it's, it's not that, you know, the fear is irrational in that sense. Right. It's when, when we are open, when we, lean into that embodiment, right? And we do that to experience the good things, right? We, we don't necessarily want to experience the, the negative things, the bad things, but inevitably that is what happens because with one comes the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's such a, a wholeness in it. And it makes me think like, again, of kind of restorative versus punitive approaches. Mm-hmm. And in in the punitive mindset, it's incredibly dichotomous or dualistic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there's this kind of like 
this is good and this is bad, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, and the restorative approach, which again is rooted in like Jewish, Indigenous, Mennonite um, beliefs and communities. There's this kind of approach of like wholeness, like literally instead of um, one person on a stand and one person sitting over here, it's like you're sitting in a circle um, to bring it into that wholeness. And there's, there's kind of so much more space for nuance. And I think that that has to be a part of the pleasure reclamation journey because you're so right. Like if we, there's so much functionality to dissociation and checking out of our bodies. Like there's some really beautiful survival mechanisms in there. And then when we feel, if we feel safe enough and supported enough to really turn towards our bodies and pleasure and life and everything, it is going to be whole in that way. We are going to have like such gorgeous heights of pleasure and laughter and connection and experience, but we're also going to experience like deep sadness and grief and pain. But I think what's Mm -hmm. really beautiful about the restorative lens is like, there's not the dichotomy of like the pleasure is good and the sadness is bad. Right. It's just like, wow, you're, you're becoming more you. You're like feeling more, you're being fully human and like that is healing. So I think it's really interesting to bring that restorative lens into everything, even our emotions. Right. And it's so funny you say that because even as I was trying to verbalize it, I, I heard myself associating, you know, the sad feelings with, with bad and Mm. negative and the, um, happy feelings with good and positive. And even as I was saying, I was like, no, I don't like this because it's not, (laughs) (laughs) it's really not that, that black and white, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. sadness can be exquisite sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not to romanticize sadness by any means, but, but just to, acknowledge that like even something that 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 hurts isn't always bad necessarily yeah I feel that so much and I love to just bring play into these conversations because Mm -hmm. I've explored so many different paths of healing after like sexual trauma specifically or Mm -hmm. healing after like years of living in the closet and everything and like yeah so often and some we need this we need this in the world just like we're saying we need the wholeness like some of those spaces can be so grief heavy and like almost the energy of a funeral Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and then I think it's so powerful to bring in playfulness and like radical joy as well and just to explore certain things like can we bring pleasure and um playfulness and even sensuality into sadness or into anger or into joy or whatever emotion it is. And I think playing with those things is like so empowering and I've had fun. Like I've had fun being angry Mm -hmm. and like I've had fun being sad. Like I think that when we really lean into totality with, with what we're feeling, I'm not going to like downplay it and be like, Oh my God, I love being deeply sad. Like that's yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I totally hear you. I, I actually, if I think about it, you know, the, the best fights I've had with my partner are the ones where I'm like kind of laughing in the middle of it, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. not that the fight itself is funny, but, but just like being able to find that levity in absolutely a moment like that, you know, it just, it, it, it does kind of, at least for me and just kind of pulling that back in with what you were saying, Marley, it, it, it inspires empathy in me to remind myself 
that the anger is not the only thing that exists in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. There's like a piece in it too, about um, like making things bigger. And this is mm-hmm. something I definitely have felt and received from Jewish community and family is like not being afraid to be big in expression. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, when we do that with our emotions to the point of making it like almost theatrical, that's when we can find that sort of humor and humility. So like when I'm really sad, sometimes I can't always access this. Sometimes I just need to like lie there. there But sometimes I'll just like pretend I'm in a music video and like blast some emotional ballads and look oh, yeah. dramatically out the window and it like oh my god the dramatically fun. out the window when it's raining and you're like in your parents car in the back seat <laughs> like that's so cathartic <laughs> it's so cathartic and like I just think I just think it all I think it's all a part of it and even even I feel like I have permission to talk about anything including orgasm do I uh yes yeah. you do okay. <laughs> <laughs> like what is the podcast vibe like when we look at orgasm so many people will share like wow that big experience of orgasm led me to laugh hysterically or cry a lot in a way that felt really cathartic or feel really pissed off and like feel anger that I've been holding in for years right so I think it's like it's an emotional release and whatever it is is the body processing some stuff that's been long held, which is um, healing and like freeing in a way. So I think just like that wholeness is so, it's so beautiful. Mm. I love the way you said that. Thank you. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm I'm looking at our discussion themes. Anything that has sparked for you, Marley, as we've been kind of going through this, you know, whether it's about pleasure more generally, sensuality more specifically, uh, just in terms of, you know, your relationship with Jewishness mm. and mental health. Cause that's, those are yeah. really the two lenses, you know? Mm-hmm. And actually, now that I say that out loud, we haven't really entered the mental health realm, although we've kind of, we're always talking around mental health, right? Cause we're people with brains and we have mental health, but, yeah. um, you know, you mentioned your experience of sexual assault, um, and you know, the process of healing that you went through with that and how, how much your sensuality and approach to pleasure was a part of that. Um, so I guess if you feel open to it, um, you know, would you want to speak to how reclaiming your sensuality after experiencing something like that did support your mental health or, or helped you to heal? Yeah, I can definitely share on that. And, and I also can share a thought that that was sparked um, oh, great. <laughs> that <laughs> and then I'll come back to that or I'm awesome. sure it connects in some way. But yeah, I feel like something that's really interesting and like we've already said like queerness is naturally such a part of this this conversation Mm -hmm. um I feel like coming out as lesbian and claiming Jewish identity were such a similar experience that they almost went together in a way Mm-hmm. And I've just been enjoying so much. I found this like incredible anthology um, on like Jewish lesbian essays from Ooh. the 80s. Yeah, it's such a lovely 
But how can like, I? Yeah, yeah, where is it? Yeah, I, you know what? If you give me literally half a second, it's sitting right here. I love it. No, Ash and I can see each other, and we both like visibly were like, oh, <laughs> it's so beautiful. Okay, it's called three queer Jews on the call. No big. <laughs> it's called Nice Jewish Girls, and it was published in 1982, Ooh. and it is a lesbian anthology. Um, yeah. And there's so many things in it that are so interesting to me. Like one thing they talk about is how for many of us in many spaces, Jew, Jewish identity and lesbian identity are essentially invisible in Mm. some ways. And we almost have, um, that experience of passing or not passing, Mm -hmm. which is not true for every identity like race or, different things like this but I just think it's so interesting and then it also talks a lot about how queerness is not just about who you're sexually attracted to Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. an entire culture and it it kind of way of being um I wanted to find it and I flipped to the exact page so it says (laughs) I love it It's so the author says, if I say that Judaism is more than a religion, as lesbianism is more than a sexual preference, I begin to tap the complexity. Mm. And I just think that that is so interesting. And it's something that like those reclamations have come hand in hand. And I would say that in some ways with survivor identity too, where it's like, it's not just about having gone through something horrible, but it's about being rooted in this like incredible community of survivors mm. and, and living day to day in a way where we're like, we're having to come back to our bodies and our healing in so many ways. So I just think like, mm. Yeah, there's so many beautiful parallels in a way. Um, and then, Ash, if you want to kind of remind me <laughs> what you were asking. Yeah, so the, the other ask was um, how re- um, reconnecting with your sensuality and, your, and this sort of more Jewish perspective on pleasure um, supported your mental health and healing from uh, a sexual assault. Mm. Yeah, I think that it's kind of similar, and this is going to be a bit intense, um, but it's kind of similar to what I was saying about, like, other religions and rhetorics having so much emphasis on the afterlife, Mm. Mm -hmm. which brings us into, like, this kind of futuristic, like, it's not about the actual moment. Mm-hmm. And I think at that time after trauma in those years, I was struggling so, so, so much that I was like, why would I like, what is here for me? Mm-hmm. Like, why would I even want to be here? Yeah. And I, and those questions are so heartbreaking, but in a way, if I set out to answer them, which I feel like I did, it's like, okay, why would I want to be here? Yeah. Like what makes me want to be here in this body right. and this planet at the time at this time and for me like being able to access pleasure Mm -hmm. and joy and connection and really cathartic cries while the rain is pouring down (laughs) like just having these really sensory experiences 
that brought me into my body and into the moment and therefore into connection with others. Mm. Um, that was so healing and it, and it made me choose. Like it, it was kind of yeah. like, okay, like choose, choose life or don't. Right. And that experience of pleasure was like so powerful yeah. in that way. And I also think that that is such a, like we were saying before, like it is such a reflection of this Jewish lens where it's like, we're fighting for our lives. We're fighting yeah. for life so often Whereas a lot of other spaces are kind of encouraging us to like connect with things that aren't necessarily like here and on the ground and around us at the dinner table or in the, wherever we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really hit me just when you said choose life. You know, I, I think it's something that we we talk about a lot when we talk about suicidal ideation, which is you know what we're talking about here, but. I don't know, there, there was just something with the way that you said it and, and just thinking about that in the context of, of Jewishness and pleasure and, and the wholeness of pleasure, right? Like not just not just the, the happy, exciting parts, but also the cathartic, uh, difficult parts. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I'm trying to avoid positive, negative words. It's so hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think you're just, you're touching on something that, that feels very resonant, I think, and, and something that, um, I, I think it's hard to put to words, put words to, excuse me. So thank you for, for that. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I think it's like, it's so, it's so powerful. And I feel like, um, I feel like when, mm, okay. Separate from suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just about choice in general, I feel like any time we bring choice into something, and this can come back to like the nonconformist Jewish lens we were saying, um, Mm any time we bring choice into something, we can then enjoy or be total with an experience so much more. Yeah. So if I'm actively choosing life or choosing monogamy or polyamory or choosing queerness or heterosexuality, like whatever I'm choosing Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there's that element of choice. I can then be more fully in it rather than in this space of like, Oh, am I just doing this? Cause like I was told to, or cause this is what everyone else around me is doing. Um, and there's such a deep empowerment in that. So Mm -hmm. I feel that in my, if I look at like who I was, and I don't mean to romanticize trauma in any way, but for me, if I look at who I was before this sexual trauma, before I sought out any of these healing modalities and spaces and aspects of reclamation, mm-hmm. I feel so much more present to life and beauty and connection now because I've like had to give these things a think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Oh. Well, thank you so much for all of this, Marley. I really, really have appreciated your perspective. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Um, for those, for the listeners, um, where can they, you know, find your work? I know that uh, we gave them the intro and stuff, and we'll we'll add um, your ads and all of that in the show notes. Um, but you know, just for for those listening, where can they find you if they want to keep up with you? Yeah. So, um, Instagram is definitely my biggest platform for sharing and being consistent with content and sharing a lot of 
like these somatic tools and everything. So mm-hmm. that would just be Marley Liss, M-A-R-L-E-E-L-I-S-S. And then I also have my own podcast called The Sensual Revolution. I'm Amazing. like, I'd love to have you both on. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Sure. We'll talk about it. I'm so happy yeah. we're connected now. And, um, and then I also always have um, a free training available. That's at marleylist.com slash free training. And the one right now is on sensual self-love and embodied safety. And there's some really beautiful ways for folks to learn about and experience um, coming into embodied presence in a way that feels like safe and loving and hopefully pleasurable. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for for those offerings. um, And thank you for putting them into the world. It's very, very needed and necessary. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So have a great night, Marley. Thank you again. and, And hopefully we'll be able to talk soon. Yes, Marley, thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks so much for having me, and thank you to everyone for listening. And also, thank you both for the epic work that you do in the world. Oh, <laughs> thank you so thank much. Thank you right back at you. <laughs> yeah. Yay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. 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 All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Kvetching on the Couch. As a reminder, we use this space to discuss difficult subjects, and so it is of the utmost importance that you do at least one thing to take care of yourself today. We hope that you heard something you'll take with you from tonight's episode. I certainly did. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Marley is a um, both a ray of sunshine, but also just extremely knowledgeable. Yes. Um, and she's able to talk about um, really complex topics in a really digestible way. So yeah. I just really appreciate um, her lending her time and expertise to us tonight. Agreed. Uh, Next week, we'll be talking about the relationship between Jewish food and our mental health uh, as a community with Kay Kaplan, uh, who is a listener. And you can come fetch with us about that next Thursday, May 26th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. As always, this episode recording will be posted on the Colin app and then it will get pushed to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right after that. You can keep up with me and Ash on social media. My handle is at the Healing Happy Cook, and you can find Ash at, at Bad Ash Therapy. All information will be provided in the description of the episode. And a big thank you to January Sunshine for all of the music that we use in these episodes, and the biggest of thank yous to those of you who joined us today. Good night, everybody. Good night.